You're listening to Campus Review Radio. This is Carl Treacher, and I'm joined by Martin Betts. We're the founders of HEDEX, and our podcast explores the changing landscape of the higher education sector in association with Campus Review. Welcome to the Higher Education Experience. On this episode of HEDEX, I'm joined by a second-year university student from Victoria, Sarah. Martin, how are you? I'm great, thanks, Carl. It's um, going to be really interesting to hear from another student. We had one early on in the series, but um, very different world in universities at the start of 2021 from um, the perspectives we had from Ella at the early part of 2020. I think we'll try and do that every quarter, just to try and put our, a finger in the air around what's happening from student experience. Sarah's pretty forthcoming with her experience from last year and her expectations for um, for this year. But Martin, coming from you know 38 years in the sector, what what did you see happen last year? What what was your generalised uh, you know, your view of a generalised student experience? Well, the student experience has been unrecognisable through the period of 2020 and coming to 2021 from what it was before, of course. Um, and, it, and it's of great impact on the way that universities are thinking about um, managing those experiences, managing their staff, providing for all of their stakeholders to be participants in that, and, and their impacts on marketing. I mean, marketing by universities up until 2019 was very much around presenting a picture of student experiences around campuses and around the social interaction with co-learners in those physical environments as well as the online spaces and that's changed so much that they're having to rethink their marketing efforts. Yeah I, I think the same thing not the same thing but certainly a real shift in experience and expectation across other sectors. I've had some really colourful conversations this year somewhat unexpected around um, last year seemed to be catch up a lot of organisations playing catch up and you know panic stations and how do we right the ship for, for a moment in time but we're having very long term conversations at the moment, you know, the concept of three horizons, you know, three third horizon conversations now for 2022 and 2023, which is something I've not really seen before. Typically, the consulting that we do will work with a you know, board or an executive group uh, facing into a challenge or looking six months or 12 months ahead. We're doing some planning at the moment, 24 months ahead. And I'm wondering whether that's going to also be uh, something that happens in higher education. Well, it's going to have to be, Carl, isn't it? I mean, I, th- I think you're hitting on something really important there. That There's like these sort of three different time zones, really, isn't there? Or periods of time. There was the the, the, the pre-pandemic time when, as, as I say, the marketing focus in universities was about that campus and blended student experience. There's the, the period while the pandemic and lockdowns have been so prevalent where the marketing effort has been around safety and security and, and the emergency responses and online provision. But you're right, I, if, if, if you're now getting at the start of 2021, your campaign's and your strategy, your strategy is ready for your marketing efforts for the 2022 recruitment periods. For that and beyond, you're going to have to give a completely different set of thoughts to what the student experience in a post-pandemic environment is going to be. And it won't be going back to 2019 experiences. And it won't be the sort of experiences that we had in 2020 itself. It will be 
a whole new set of thoughts and strategies that will need to go with that. And it's it, the way we're doing it is is really fascinating. So, you know, you'll always have you know, variables and contingencies, but the main sort of underlying concept as we move through the strategy process is around contingency and control. You know, the organisations that are taking that first mover advantage or having that first mover advantage and setting themselves up to know generally what the experience is going to be for their audience in 2022 and 2023 have a greater sense of control so they can manage their resources and their timeline and have a better chance of making that happen. That said, with an eye on contingencies, what happens if this happens? What happens if the you know, vaccine rollout or um, you have a student backlash or you've got you know mutant students or whatever it might be in, in higher education? But just keep balancing those two areas of having a sense of control over what's going to be the experience for your audience and keeping an eye on the things that may just have an impact on that. We're actually making some really strong sort of movement forward for a lot of our clients that are giving them a sense of confidence. Well, confidence is um, at a premium right now, of course, isn't it? And the confidence of our student body has been so impacted for these that are in that middle phase that Sarah will be an example of. There will be a great feeling of loss and of isolation as they continue to study from home. Um, that's a pipeline now of students that have gone through first year coming into second and with you know another couple of years of some of that um, working its way through, R- really challenging for universities and for people in other sectors as well, I'm sure, of, of looking towards the horizon of how the new tomorrow's customers are going to be experiencing services and products, but but also having a, a sense of care and a duty of, of, of responsibility for those that are in that loss and isolation stage in the pipeline at the moment. Mm. And I think it was great to have a chat with with Sarah last week, uh, just on her thoughts. Why don't we have a quick listen to that now? So today I'm joined by Sarah, who is a second year student at Monash University. Hi, thanks for having me on your podcast. Uh, Thanks for joining us. It's going to be really interesting to get your perspective, particularly going through the tumultuous year that was 2020 and now going into second year. So do you want to start by just talking a little bit about, um, you know, your interest in higher education and perhaps some of your goals? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm very interested in biological sciences and immunological research and potentially even the medical pathway. So I felt like the Bachelor of Science at Monash was probably a good progression for me from uh, my secondary education. So I'm studying at Monash Clayton campus and yeah, I'll be doing my second year this year in 2021. So you came out of school in 2019, uh, probably with full expectation of a similar university experience to what had gone on for decades previously. Do you want to talk to me about your expectation versus the actual experience of last year? Yeah, sure. So I was expecting a massive lab component, particularly doing a degree like science. I think my predicted hours of contact were probably, I think it was something like 18 to 20 hours of lab work, tutorial work, practical work anything sort of on the university campus. And uh, what I got was quite the opposite. I did multiple hours just sitting in front of a laptop, uh, watching practicals and uh, learning through the online learning system that Monash has. My first experience with Monash, I found two things quite difficult at um, Monash. My first experience was the sort of enrollment process and choosing the units at Monash. And that was actually quite difficult. There wasn't too much information on how to select your units with regard to prerequisites for future study. Um, 
and also the Moodle system, which they use, that's their learning management system or LMS, um, Monash uses Moodle. And that was a bit difficult to navigate in the first sort of couple of weeks because they started sending out content to us and uh, I really wasn't sure. I had never used it before. I can imagine for a second or third year student who'd had the experience on campus before, it was quite natural to sort of get on the system, start doing the pre-readings. But for myself, I definitely found it a big challenge. So it was, um, it was difficult to start to sort of get my head around the system, how it worked. But uh, by second semester, I was a lot more comfortable with how everything worked. And really, it did meet my expectations in terms of the learning and the quality of education that was provided was really outstanding. I found it very engaging, particularly my lecturers for the biology faculty were incredible. They put out hundreds of resources, very engaging content, labs. Um, they even found a way to do practicals online, which was really awesome. I really enjoyed it. Hmm. So you think they responded well to the COVID pandemic? Uh, on balance, yeah, I think it was a very difficult situation. Obviously, I'm here in Victoria, which has it had uh, different regulations to the rest of Australia for a while there, but uh, Monash delayed its uh, entrance to 2020 study. So we were due to start, I think, around the 1st of March or something like that, and then I didn't get to go in for one day, actually. So I never got to set foot on campus. Um, Across the whole year. Yeah, across the whole year. I haven't been right. once. I went to campus before, so I, I know what the campus looks like and I've been there over the holidays now. And so I knew what to expect going in there, but I just never got the chance to go in there with other teachers or students or anything like that. Um, I did feel they managed uh, to respond pretty well in terms of their online content. Um, they were very fast to create video content for us. Um, they There was a point where they couldn't, even the teaching staff weren't allowed to go into the university to make videos and they knew that um, date was coming up. So I know a lot of the teaching staff the first year hurried in to make uh, high quality videos for us all. And it was really excellent, the content that we did get back from that. I felt that some of the sort of communication and direction uh, with some of the units was a little bit lacking, but definitely I found for my chemistry and biology units, which was primarily what I'm doing in my degree, um, the staff and the faculty did a great job of responding to the COVID sort of uh, restrictions we had in place. And what about Monash itself? Why did you choose Monash? Uh, I chose Monash because obviously their reputation for science is particularly strong they've great they've got a great ivf uh center and reproductive technology center there which is something i'm potentially going to be interested in researching uh also immunology they they have an excellent course and they've got some really well-renowned wonderful teaching staff so it's also really um really close to my house so it seemed like the sort of natural university to choose and i really looked into it and for science i was very comfortable there it had sort of always just been the university that I figured I'd go to and it just sort of matched what I was looking for. So in Australia, the social component of uni life is is really something that's really special. It's not quite the same as it is in the United States, but there's a component of it where there's a big expectation around um, meeting new friends, forming new social structure. Um, some of those friendships last for life. How have you experienced the social component of um, university? Well, the social component for me has been basically non-existent. Um, they did try for an O-week um, 
that was planned to be in February, obviously, but that got shut down pretty quickly. Um, and then there was thought of potentially doing one in the middle of the year when there was that small break and ease in restriction. But that uh, didn't, unfortunately, that didn't really happen. So I have actually met very few people through my course. Uh, there was some room for, uh, there was a bit of group work, which uh, I actually didn't find too good. I can talk a bit about that later, but the, um, the meeting other students, that was basically the only way that we could have contact with other students showing up in the tutorial groups. And even then there wasn't much room to sort of talk one-on-one -on -one with another student about mm. their plans or their expectations or experience too much, or definitely not much room to make sort of lifelong friends or lab partners yeah. or anything like that. Um, sure. Yeah, but Did the Monash has clubs and societies they were trying to launch, but really didn't, didn't really happen. And do you think that will change? I hope that will change this year. Um, I have high expectations for this year in terms of meeting new people through my course. I'm not too interested in the clubs and societies on offer at Monash. I know a lot of people are, and there's some really great ones there. It's just not really my thing, but um, they are planning to return, you know, sport teams and stuff like that. So that'll be really interesting. So I've definitely had communication from Monash to say that hopefully this year we'll get to have some more opportunity for events within the uni and sort of more of a community feel. I know Monash is big on the idea of a community and obviously everyone sort of missed out on that over the past year. Well, I, I know from, from a workplace perspective, the general sentiment is that things have changed now for good. So there will be more of a a hybrid or more variety in terms of the way people work from you and your friends and your situation at university do you are you expecting it to go back to what it was you know three years ago or are you thinking now that there's sort of a new normal uh i think some elements of social interaction will have changed for sure i know for myself and for quite a few of my friends it's just meeting up again now after COVID, it's sort of been, it feels different to see your friends again. You know, it's saying hello and giving someone a hug is not the same anymore. So mm -hmm. I think interacting with new people who you haven't known for a long time might be even different again. I know that with my course, uh, there's a huge emphasis on labs and practicals and you do do your labs with uh, either at least one partner or a small group and usually that's the same group you work with over at least a semester or a year and hopefully that sort of provides a pathway to meet more people and have that social interaction but I think yeah the way we relate in a university might have changed for good I'm not sure how it initially was because I never got to go in there and obviously I'll be going into second year sort of having a first year experience um, socially, but I'll be, I'll be interested to see. I'm really hopeful that I can meet some more people my age who are interested in the same things as myself, but also some uh, teaching associates and PhD candidates, graduates who have had similar pathways or can share their experiences and provide that social interaction that's really needed for the learning environment that they're trying to create there at Monash. And with Monash itself, I know you said from a faculty perspective or from a, a science angle that you, you respect it and it's in terms of its quality. Is there anything else that stands out for you for Monash that, that differentiates it from other options that you had when you're making your you know, decisions? Uh, I, think, I think that Monash does have a great social culture, actually. I know they're extremely um, very progressive in terms of how they sort of deal with students on a really sort of individual basis. I feel like they're incredibly inclusive and supportive. I know that there's 
plenty of services uh, offered for students if they need extra support in any dimension of their life. You know, Monash has a great support facility and I feel like all their staff there have a really good emphasis on the learning culture that's provided at Monash. Uh, definitely their research, they are sort of research university. Their emphasis is perhaps not as much on getting a sort of, I'm going to say practical degree, but the sort of degree where, you know, RMIT can be a bit more focused on giving you a degree that means you step out of your course and the next day you can find a job as whatever your degree has the name on it for, you know, you can go into work the next day. But Monash sort of, it schools you with the mindset towards um, learning and giving back to a sort of educational community. It is a research university. They encourage you to consider broader possibilities in terms of research and I think there is sort of a movement to help people get into research at Monash there. I know definitely just from some of the practice we did in first year, I sort of draw a connection between, oh, well, this is something they were talking to us about and that's actually something they're researching currently and would like future students to get involved with. So it is, they have a research sort of swing on things and that's something I was definitely interested in for myself because I know that that's something that I'd like to do in future potentially. So changing gears, it's a little bit around engagement. If you were in charge of, you know, you're the Deputy Vice Chancellor of Engagement, for instance, or you're in charge of student engagement at Monash, this year, is there anything, what would you do? You know, what are the things that you do to help, you know, students feel a part of the community, um, interact with one another, build relationships, build affinity with the um, organisation itself? Well, I think it'll be really important to particularly I mean, they're going to be dealing with almost two year levels of first year and second year students who have had no real experience on the campus. So it will be really important for them to sort of reintegrate these students in a way that's uh, sort of not throwing everyone into the experience straight away, but giving everyone the opportunity to sort of join in and feel a part of that Monash community. I'm not sure the best approach for how that's going to be. Um, I can speak from my my own personal interests and the way I sort of am interested in going back into the uni. I would really love to do some work with um, students from sort of my faculty and learn more about them. I think the best way to do that is honestly to get back into, for myself, would just be to get straight back into a lab setting and really meet some new people. But change up the laboratory groups every now and again and sort of meet some new people, offer extra um, extra time slots to come in and talk about um, the work you're doing currently. I know they did a lot of that uh, last year on the, on the, they were adding Zoom meetings and you were allowed to come in and talk, but it was more to get help with questions that you needed help for. It was still an opportunity to meet other students. And I did speak a bit about the group work, which which was an opportunity to meet other students, but it wasn't so much for a social connection. So I think if there was some opportunity for social events, which I know Monash does a good job of running, you know, their O Week is renowned for being really engaging and exciting, but uh, I think if they can run some more events throughout the year that sort of allow, like, come on in, check it out, you know, meet some new people, have a discussion about some ideas, that'd be really good, yeah. Okay. How well were you concierge through the change process in 2020 in terms of contact from the university helping you understand what was what was about to happen? There was a lot of email communication. Uh, the communication I received from Monash was a lot better than the communication I'd previously been receiving from secondary education. So I thought, 
perhaps this is a step up, you know, to tertiary education, the communication will be better. I'm not sure if it's just a Monash thing or a tertiary education thing, but I felt it was uh, very adequate. Um, they were generally very good at keeping us up to date when new restrictions came out saying, you know, we're thinking this is probably the pathway forward. Uh, sometimes there was mention of, you know, potential activities in the future that weren't particularly well explained and were just sort of thrown out there like, oh, this might be happening. But understandably, they were dealing with, you know, the unknown, which they couldn't really control. I did feel like there was very, it was very well addressed how uh, when new restrictions came out, people were quick to send out emails and say, unfortunately, guys, this lab will be off and the rest of your semester will be online particularly in second semester, I think once restrictions changed again, Monash was very good to say, unfortunately, it's not going to be a possibility. We're just going to make all classes online for you guys as a first year science stream. We can't really invite you in, but here's how we're going to make it better. We're going to change these parts of our system. I think Monash was a little bit slow uh, to decide after the second semester holiday if they wanted to come back or not. I know a lot of other unis pulled the pin rather early, uh, which I found kind of funny because Monash, you know, was quite quick at the start of the year to say, no, we're going to delay our start times. No one's coming in. And then in the second semester, they were sort of like, oh, we'll wait a bit. And then so the communication was a little slow on that front just to say, right, we can't come in. But I, I feel that's fair enough, given we didn't really know what was going on. We could relatively predict. But uh, yeah, I felt their communication on that front was pretty strong. And just finally, I'd like to talk about the general mood. And I know, you know, N equals one, because I'm really just talking to, to you about this rather than a, a sample, but, but the mood, you know, we've had, uh, you know, the international student financial drain, um, universities and higher education in general is suffering from resource um, limitations. Is there, what is the mood for you as a student? You know, have you picked up anything from the university itself that, you know, it's it's suffering or it's struggling or it's it's you know it's re it's got a renewed strategy and it's excited or you know is there any sort of a brand statement or brand image that's coming through communication or any interaction you've had with the university that suggests they're in a particular position facing into twenty twenty one? Yeah, well, I know Monash has or well, generally has a huge international uh, sort of clientele for their education there um, I know we lost a massive proportion of our international students and that was part of the reason that um, they were trying to delay their start dates because they did have quite a few international students stuck overseas unable to come back into the university at the start of the year and their, their move towards the online learning did enable a lot of students to continue their learning overseas but this year I think they are in a position where a lot of international students um, may not be able to continue learning with Monash given the past year. I think uh, I know a lot of students like myself feel a little bit uncomfortable about the student debt that they've sort of acquired over the past year. I know for myself that's about eight and a half thousand dollars and there was really sort of uh, no that money wasn't really put towards the laboratory sort of uh, time we'd be spending in there. I know that money is needed to cover the staff wages and all of the university sort of infrastructure. But you do question, you know, what, what did my money really go to if they've got all these students paying that much money? It does, it does change your feeling towards it a little bit that 
I'm not sure if it's a university thing or if that's the government's job with the Hexted. I'm not sure who that responsibility falls to, but there hasn't been too much talk about what's going to go on in terms of uh, individual student finances. But uh, I know Monash definitely um, struggled to fill their, you know, international quota last year. Um, and, yeah, I think the mood generally generally is positive around the education at Monash. I know for myself I felt incredibly supported and engaged by the resources they were putting out. The only real dampener for me was the finances um, and where that money sort of could have gone for myself and I know for a lot of other students as well. But the mood around Monash's um, culture and university is generally extremely positive and very welcoming. I do feel welcomed by Monash and the staff there. So hopefully for this year, their sort of position is a positive one and we'll be able to sort of reintegrate and feel welcomed again as we did last year, but just sort of in a more personal on-campus sort of way. That's terrific. Thanks so much for joining us today, Sarah. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. So that was Sarah Martin. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I think that was um, what, what what bright young people we have in our universities and oh, in she's our, amazing. Our nation. She's so impressive, isn't she? And, <laughs> oh, I know. It's, it's it's really quite humbling. It's it's one of the great joys of working in education, actually, that you meet some brilliant people in terms of staff and partners to the university. But the the quality of students that are working their way through and what they're able, how articulate they are, and how mm. clear they are on their thoughts about what they're doing. I mean. Working in marketing at universities so long in running faculties and running marketing departments, I was mm. always mindful that you probably had three types of students, really. You had those that had a very clear understanding about what they wanted to do. Um, you probably had a second second group, probably an equal third in size, that had a vague understanding but weren't absolutely certain. Run, running an engineering program, I was very mindful of this, that students who thought they knew that they wanted to do engineering but didn't really understand the difference between civil, mechanical and electrical and wanted to work their way through. Mm. And then that third, equal third category, I think, as well, of those that probably had no idea about what they wanted to do but, but were taking the advice of, for others. And I think the growth in double degrees has been much of why some people are wanting to keep and keep their options open have mm. been so so um, prevalent in growing that market. But Sarah is such a great example of that first category of students. She's knowing what she's wanted to do. She's got a great sense of purpose and she's she's going to be a great success. Yeah, she also had a great sense of respect for Monash. You know, I was quite interested in her thoughts and feelings about the brand image of Monash itself. And, you know, I think she's quite, it's quite typical of a Victorian student to have this, you know, to hold Monash up very in, on a pedestal, particularly in her area of, you know, interest and study. Um, she said a lot of good things about it. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if many students aren't as positive about their experience because, you know, in some ways they may have felt let down or a little bit disappointed. Um, but she seemed to think that Monash did an excellent job in mobilising very quickly and communicating, certainly better than the experiences she had at secondary school. And that's really at the moment all she's got to compare with. Well, it's, it's been interesting, isn't it? I mean, I think many of us have feared that there'd be a backlash amongst our students in terms of their current experience. But... I think this has to be a tribute to, to Monash in particular for Sarah, but for for uni, all of our universities more generally. That, that a lot of the data seems to suggest that retention rates have actually improved rather than worsened through 2020, and that even the student experience through feedback of questionnaires and surveys has actually been really quite positive. So. 
I think we should take a message out of Sarah's comments around how things were handled last year by Monash in particular, that that might be a sign that, you know, well done to all staff and all of our universities for having handled such a catastrophic set of events so so professionally and so well did you did you pick up on the little itch that she wanted to scratch that she may not have scratched publicly around uh the hex debt and you know the the what the return for inve- return on investment well look if you're working anywhere in the higher education sector and you've just heard that interview with sarah i think you'd have to be very very misguided to have not heard the the huge warning warning sign mm. that, that was in that interview mm. absolutely i heard her say that um you know people are starting to ask questions of the investment that they're making either directly into education from their own resources or in or in stored up hex debts when that was all going into um the resources for extensive campus facilities with the social learning and the and the interactions that they made possible and the mm. large numbers of staff that were available to give direct support and tuition and all of the other um, indispensable activities of universities to students, mm. th- there was already a feeling of, of wanting to seek value for money. The, 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 mm. change, the change that's happened in the student experience is raising enormous questions around the business model of universities. Yeah, there's, there's the unspoken benefits of that social contract, isn't there? That you know, some of us who go into our corporate life and professional careers, we, we know people from our university days that either create opportunities for us or we work together on projects. There's a, a sort of an unspoken value that they're certainly not getting any element of that let alone the more obvious things. It sort of becomes more obvious as, as the period from the start of last year um, stretches out that so much of the value proposition for university education to the two groups of students of international and domestic was tied up in complex things that have been um, unsettled by what's happened. I mean, for international students, I think the the opportunity to come to an exciting part of the world to gain opportunities to have post-study work rights and access to employment and networks of international students and, and domestic students was so much part of the value proposition. And while they're all trying to offer online education to international students, it's a much more difficult value proposition to retain. And for domestic students like Sarah, she articulated it so cl- close, so clearly, and you're mentioning it in your own comments there. That it's the incidental social and community benefits that come that did come from a campus and cohort experience that were much of the value proposition, rather than just the learning or the the qualification that's gained. So I think universities are going to have to think very quickly not just for this current pipeline, as we talked about before Sarah's interview, but for the horizon and beyond of what is the value proposition for both domestic and international students in the brave new world? I think they could do worse than than some of the work that we're doing with our corporate clients at the moment and sort of take control over the experience that's likely to be for 2022 and 2023. Um, You know, the warning signal coming from Sarah, I don't think it should be ignored either because she was such a considered, considerate person. She wasn't out there with a a billboard banging it saying pro-Trump or, you know, having quite outlandish, um, you know, uneducated perspectives. In fact, she was very sort of balanced in her view and just quietly said, you know, I'm wondering about the the level of return on investment. So I think if, she, if she's having those thoughts, it's going to be more heavily pronounced throughout other cohorts. I think it's, I think it's, it's a sleeping giant of an issue. Um, 
that's that's very much starting to wake up i think carl and and for all of our universities the, the lessons that can be learned from how other sectors have managed transitioning customer experience through the sort of upheaval and events that we've seen is is going to be such valuable expertise and experience to tap into because that they're going to have to to find a way of the remaining value proposition beyond the brand reputation and you hinted at this with monash is can be enhanced and it has to stay relevant and contemporary for the circumstances we're moving into. The formal qualification itself is still there, of course, but there's increasing pressure on whether ability to perform and other credentials will become more important in time. And the learning itself might be retained through the changes, but the challenge to universities, I think, is going to be how they can match the the, the, the calculations that students are making in their mind as to whether the um, investment in hex debt and, and other direct fee payments is is recompensed with, within their own economic models by the value that they're gaining that previously came from social interaction and, and being part of networks in a very physical sense. I think we're starting to see some of that uh, that through a, a compound effect or um, universities developing relationships with industry, tight industry, so that students may be sitting at home by themselves, but they're not having um, you know, diverse social interaction with other students, but they're getting a greater sense of the work, you know, what, what work life and ways of working looks like from industry partners. I think that's just that's one solution that I think would be quite um, you know, popular. We're seeing quite a lot of that, aren't we? A lot of our guests on the series up until now have... Um pointed towards that facilitating and broker, brokering relationships between student body and places of work and and finding other ways of doing that through just a provision of a campus platform for that. Maybe there's technology platforms that will emerge either from universities or other entrants into the sector that will become really critical to um, the value proposition being retained for students like Sarah into the future. Mm. I look forward to offering her an internship with HeadX. <laughs> yeah, well, bright minds like that have got so much to offer. And I, I, I think the note to perhaps finish our commentary on Sarah and her interview is just to pay tribute to what a great young mind and what a great, um, what a great future and how grateful we are to have had her share exp- her higher education experiences with us on HeadX. Absolutely. And that's all we have time for on this episode. Thanks, Martin. Cheers, Carl. Cheers, Carl.